So tonight um, we conclude. Let me see if I got pacing room. I think I'm good. So that we conclude, uh, conclude a series that we've been preaching. Um, it's been a five-week series that we've called the Vision Series, and uh, we have preached and taught on um, the things that God has stirred in our hearts. Uh, what this next season holds for us, the things that that we are to walk in um, as we walk in victory in this next season. And um, our hope was that, that the messages would be challenging, that people would feel challenged, that they would be moved to action, that you would be moved to action. Uh, the topics we taught on, we taught on unity. Um, and let me say first and foremost, we can't we can't do anything unless we're unified in our purpose. Unless we make this just obviously abundantly clear, it is about Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so we must be unified. Um, we taught on giving. You guys, giving is not an optional principle. Whether it's financial, whether it's our time, definitely if it's our life. Jesus cannot be Lord of our life if we haven't given him life. If we haven't made him Lord of our life and say, you call the shots, you're the boss, I give it to you. So giving is a principle. Um, I preached a message called Sent. And uh, the message was all about the fact that we are sent. We are called. We are sent. The world needs someone to to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And that is us. It is not just those here that bear the, the title of elder or that bear any other title. It is all of us. We are sent. Let me just be totally honest. That message is about evangelism. But I didn't once in that message use evangelism. You know why? Because if I were to use the word evangelism, that would have been a big portion of you to just shut off right away and go, oh, that's not me. That, that message is for someone else. Because I'm not an evangelist in evangelism. It's not my thing. I have other giftings. I make awesome cupcakes, whatever. <laughs> but we are all sent. We are all called. We are all uh, recipients of the Great Commission. Kara preached last week a message on intimacy. You guys, quite honestly, that, that very easily could have been the very first message we taught. Because if we're not in love with Jesus, if we haven't surrendered our heart, our affection, our love to Him, then it's probably a dead work anyway. We have to love Him. It has to be about Jesus. He has to be the center of what we do. So it was it was just a, a wonderful message. And tonight, I'm preaching on pioneering. And specifically, the themes of pioneering versus settling. We are not settlers. We are pioneers, and there's a difference. So we're going to go over that. Uh, last night, um, or last week rather, in Kara's message with intimacy with God, um, the scriptural context that she preached from was from Psalm 84. So I actually want to use that. Uh, in, in bringing an introduction to the message tonight. So Psalm 84, 4-7 through 7 says this, How blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you, Salah. How blessed is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Passing through the valley of Baca, the valley of tears, they make it a spring. The early rain also covers it with blessings. Verse 7. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. Happy and blessed are those who make their home 
their abode in the presence of God. They go from strength to strength. That ties into our series, our subject tonight on pioneering versus settling. Since this is our anniversary service, we should touch on the past. God is great. He has been great. He has been faithful through tragedy and through triumph. He's been faithful. And we've seen both this year. Tragedy. Uh, one of our own took his life this year, and that was, that was tough. He helped plant this church. When Mark Manti took his life, man, that, that was a blow to us that just took the wind out of us and hurt and, and shook us. That was tragic. And then as a community, to, to see what happened with Jessica Ridgway. I mean, it was just, you know, I said it before, that was nine houses down from where we used to live in Westminster. I mean, that was, that's our community. That was, that was tragic. But in the midst of that, we didn't set our eyes on solutions. We set our eyes on Jesus and let him be our solution. And he was faithful. So we've seen tragedy. There will be other tragedies that take, that take place. That's life. Uh, we don't know what they are or when they will come or what they will look like. But we will do the same thing. We will set our eyes on Jesus Christ. We will look to Him. We will be so dependent, so needy, so in need of His touch, His power, His life. And He will do the exact same thing. He cannot change who He is. He is faithful, and He will be faithful. God has been awesome through triumph. We've seen more salvations this past year than we have any other year. We've seen more water baptisms this year than any other year. We've, we've seen, I, I imagine we've seen more baptisms of the Holy Spirit this year than any other year. It has been a triumphant year. We have seen babies. We have seen weddings. We have seen engagements. We have seen homes bought. We have seen incredible things. We, and we celebrate life Together, How cool is that? And we're called to do it together. There's not an island. There ain't no... Tonto's not needed because there's no Lone Ranger. We are in this together. We are called to do it together. So through tragedy, triumph, God is faithful. God is good. But more than celebrating our past, we are here to set our focus on God and the future that He has for us. The future that God has for us. But check this out. It's, this message is not going to be about church. This message is not about uh, Impact Rock Church. This message is about us in our lives. Individuals, families, marriages. Setting our sights on Jesus. And the plan, the future that he has for us. A future that will take us from strength to strength. A future where we will be blessed and strong and happy in making God our home, His presence our home, in dwelling in Him. You see, we have a history. Praise God. We have a history, but that history is not our future. You and I are doomed if we only let our past define us. We are absolutely doomed if we let yesterday and beyond our past define us. 
It's a part of who we are. Praise God for it. The testimony that we have, the ways that we not that we don't glorify our lives before the Lord, we glorify the point when Jesus swooped in and saved the day and the way that our lives have been changed. That's our testimony. But we, we can't let our lives, our, our, our past, our history, define us. You know, there, there, there was a point. I played college football, and you know, I was all right. I was pretty good. I, I, I always think you're better than you really are. And so I think, well, there's a chance I could have played in the NFL. I could, I, I could have never been like a marquee guy, but I think I could have been on special teams for a year or two and gone and you know, knocked someone's you know, block off on a kickoff team or something. I think that, but we'll never know. My wife, my wife believes in me. And so for a while, I, I, I let that experience of my past define me. Mark Harper, football player. Mark Harper, football player. There came a point when I had to grow up and go, what the heck? That doesn't define me. How? And that's a good thing in my past. But that doesn't define me. That's not who I am. So what defines me? When I called upon the name of Jesus, and I said, I want to be surnamed by you. I preached on that, that message on being sent. To call on him, to allow him to surname you. That's what defines me. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am a lover of Jesus Christ. I am a server of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ defines me. So just like the, the example of football, which was a good thing, what are the other things that we have allowed to define us based on our past? What about, what about the not-so-good things? What about the hurts? What about the betrayals? What about the disappointments? The pains? We're doomed. We are doomed if we let our past define us. If we let our hurts define us, but even if we let those things that we clung to as our good things, as our strengths. God is here tonight to heal. He is here tonight to heal. I love that, that he spoke to Steve in the midst of worship and, and Steve spoke that out because God is here to heal. I've just felt this theme in the message tonight. He is here to heal. He is here to heal lives. He is here to heal marriages. He is here to heal families. And he is here to redeem destinies because he has a future for us we must press on to a greater prize and let's pray Lord we thank you for this night Lord you are so faithful and so good and we thank you for the opportunity to be together and Lord I thank you for these all stars Lord God who uh, fought the weather and the snow and, and came tonight Lord and I just ask you to speak to each and every one of us Lord personalize the word that comes forth so that each one of us feel spoken to and strengthened from this, Lord. And let us feel challenged, Lord. Let us walk out of here desiring more of you, Lord. Holy Spirit, do that awesome thing that you do where you take the words from a man standing up here talking, but you make it the Father's heart that's hurt. So anoint every word where it's not me, but you, O Lord, that's hurt. Have your way, God. Holy Spirit, move in power and guide us into all truth of our awesome Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I want to uh, 
we're going to read out of Philippians chapter 3, and then we're going to spend uh, the rest of our time in Genesis uh, chapter 11 and chapter 13. Everything that I did prior to the prayer, that was the opening. Um, so I don't want to worry you. You're like, oh no, it's going to be a really long message. Um, it's not that long, but let's go ahead and jump right in with Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things, good and bad, to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Let's not let those simple little words pass us. Knowing and my. Knowing and my. It's about relationship. It's about a personal relationship. My Jesus, my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, the law representing our our own efforts and our best way of trying to be godly and righteous. So not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Great verse. Verse 13, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Great passage. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That word call, I don't want to, sometimes we hear call and our minds automatically go to something else. It goes to ministry. Oh, you know, who's called to the ministry. That, that word call is just simply the invitation. The call for inclusion. And the call goes out to all of us. It's not, it's not a select call. It's to all of us. Being a pioneer is about dwelling in the presence of God. Being a pioneer is about going from strength to strength. Being a pioneer is about being happy and blessed through God's best. Being a pioneer is about not settling for anything less than God's best. Being a pioneer is about not settling. Genesis chapter 11. We're going we're gonna to read some verses and we're going to study about Abram. So if I, if I say Abraham, you know, just know Abram, Abraham. Abram was the artist soon to be named Abraham. So, you know, same guy, you know, just kind of making it, making it clear. I might slip there. Let's, let's read from Genesis chapter 11, verse 31. Terah took Abram 
his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson. So that makes Lot Abraham's nephew. And Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. Sarai is the artist soon to be named Sarah, Abraham's wife. And they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans in order to enter the land of Canaan. And they went as far as Haran and settled there. They went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans in order to enter the land of Canaan and they went as far as Haran and settled there. Friends, I want to pose something. How often do we stop short of what God has for us? How often do we settle just short of God's best in our lives? Of God's best in our marriage? Of God's best in in our families? They were headed to Canaan, but they settled for Haran. We are pioneers. We are not settlers. Sometimes it sounds cheesy when everyone repeats stuff, but I'm going to have you repeat stuff. Say that. Say, we are pioneers. We are not settlers. So just, I probably should have read the definition of pioneer before I had you repeat it because some of you are like, oh no, I don't even know what a pioneer is. Yeah, you do. I mean, we think we do. But here's what, here's how the def, uh, Webster's defines pioneer. A person who is among the first to explore or settle a new country or area. Synonyms are pathfinder, initiator, trailblazer. This is the work, the work that Impact Rock was called to do. But this is the type of person that you and I are invited to be as well. But I want to talk a little bit about about price for a second because there is a price that must be paid to be a pioneer. The theme of price versus privilege. There's a tremendous privilege that comes in serving the king. There's a tremendous privilege that comes in serving him. And doing his work. But let's not be fooled. There is a price that has to be paid to receive the privilege of serving him. We must be willing to give or pay, if you will, God several things. Number one, our past. We have got to pay the price of giving him our past in order that we can move forward and be a pioneer and grab what he has for us. You can't move forward into the future God has for you if you are still lugging your past behind. We can't do it. We are bound to it. You know, there's there's sayings. Hurting people hurt people. And every pastor knows it. Every minister knows it. Hurting people hurt people. You guys, we can't carry the past with us and move into the future of what God has for us, especially if that future involves touching people with His love, which it does, which every one of us, it does. We are called to touch people with the good news of Jesus Christ. But if we have all these hurts, hurting people hurt people. We've got to be healed. We've got to be healed up. We've got to give Him our past. We've got to freely say, I pay the price of my past. I give it to you. You're not paying for the sins of your past. Jesus did that. But you're saying, I will no longer let that define me and I will give that to you. Here's my past. 
What does that mean? I'll tell you. Well, I'm glad you asked what it means. In giving him your past, you surrender the right to be right. The times you were wronged, the times you were hurt and betrayed and wounded, in giving him your past, you surrender the right for you to somehow be righted from all that because that means you're trusting Jesus to be your redeemer and your justifier and the one who makes you right. So you give him your past and the right to be right. right. Check this out. The right to be apologized to. But I was genuinely, legitimately hurt. Well, you are surrendering the right to demand apology. I demand apology. I was wronged. Well, so was Jesus. And when he hung on that cross, Lord, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Don't hold it against them, Lord. Friends, if we give the Lord our past, we have to say, Lord, don't hold it against them. I give you my past. I can tell that some brains just kind of exploded. Some of you guys have, you guys are still processing this. I was going to move to the next point, but it's true, guys. I'm not up here just, you know, speaking in dramatic fashion. It's true. Jesus saved us. That word is sozo. Saved, healed, delivered. Saved because we were in need of a Savior. Because we couldn't do it on our own. Healed. We were in the need of a healer. There were hurts and wounds that we needed to be touched from. Jesus did that. Not Jesus will do that. Jesus did that. And then delivered. We were in bondage, friends. We were in bondage and he set us free. The work of Jesus was a work of deliverance. Freedom from our past. So, so guys, if, if he did that work so that we'd be free from it, give it to him. And let's stop bringing it and carrying it along with us. Another price that's to be paid is our trust. Our trust. It has to be delivered as payment. I place my trust in you. I choose to trust you. Friends, faith and belief, that's what it is. I believe. I choose to trust. I place my trust in you. We've got to pay the price of trust. We've got to trust him. If we're going to trust him for the future he has for us, we've got to trust him with whatever he wants to do to the past. Whatever he wants to do to the people that wounded us in the past, that betrayed us in the past. Lord, you're the judge. I'm not. So I won't even make suggestions, which you know we want to make suggestions. Lord, if it's all the same with you, Lord, don't don't kill him. Have mercy upon him. But Lord, just maybe chop off a leg. Lord, chop off a leg, you know, because let him hobble for a while. No, you don't get to make suggestions about judgments because you're not the judge and I'm not the judge. He's the judge. I don't know how you're going to do it, Lord, but I do know that I haven't been able to do it on my own. So Lord, I give it to you. I trust you. I'm not sure how you're going to do it, but I trust your ways. Lord, I come to grips with the fact that the timing's not going to be, most likely not going to be on my time frame, but I trust your timing as well. Lord, I trust you. We must be willing to give him my future, our futures.
which means we must give him our lives. You guys, you hear me say it all the time if you go here. It's not enough to make him our Savior. That's not enough. He must be Lord and Savior. What does that mean? If he's Lord, he gets to call the shots. He gets his way. He gets his way in our yielded lives. Because he, you know what? Outside these walls, for people who don't know the Lord, guess what? He doesn't get his way. They serve another king, and it's not Jesus. And and, and bad things happen, and, and there's plenty of times God doesn't get his way. But in my life, as much as I have me saying it, he gets his way. He gets his way. I am yielded. I am obedient. I am surrendered. I am forward-moving and forward-looking. And in my life, he gets his way. For us to give him our futures, we have to give him our lives. Let's continue reading, but this time in Genesis 13. So Abram, this is verse 1. So Abram went up from Egypt to Negev. He and his wife and all that belonged to him and lot with him. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. He went on his journeys from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai to the place of the altar which he had made there formerly. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who went with him, also had flocks and herds and tents. And the land could not sustain them while dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Now the Canaanite and Perizzites were dwelling then in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If to the left, then I will go to the right. And if to the right, then I will go to the left. Lot looked up his eyes and saw all the valley of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go to Zoar. So Lot chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan. And Lot journeyed eastward. Thus they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, while Lot <coughs> dwelt in the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly and sinners against the Lord. I want to point out some differences right now between settlers and pioneers. Differences between settlers and pioneers. Settlers choose what's best for now, but pioneers choose what's best for the future. We see this in the example of Lot. He looked around and said, really, you're giving me first pick? I get to choose. And he looked around at the greenest, luscious, most well-watered, and says, for real, I, for real. Okay, I'm obviously taking all this. Quite honestly, anyone who was given first choice probably is going to choose that. It was the best for now. And that's what Lot chose. But look what Abram did. Abraham picked up camp and headed for where? 
Canaan. Where he and his dad had originally set out for. When given the choice, I think he already knew. I think he already knew. He's like, I know where I'm doing. I settled for a while. I rested for a while. But that was not my home. We set off for a purpose and we stopped short. We settled short. So Lot, choose what you want, man. Choose whatever you want. I think in his heart, he already knew. I was moving on because I'm not a settler. He might not have been referencing this past, you know, this sermon title. But, but still, the, it fits. He knew there was more that God had for him. Most of the time, it's just easier to stay where we are. Even if we don't like it. Has anyone ever renewed a lease on a house or, a, or an apartment that they didn't like? But they renewed the lease because it was easier to stay than to move. How many have done that before? Yeah. I'll stay in this place. I don't like it. But you know what? I don't got to move. This church, by the way, is really good at moving these days. We've moved a lot. And there's more. There's more moves coming. So, man, you guys, your arms are looking good. Lifting. So we got a few more moves coming up. Just not the Harpers. Woohoo! <laughs> There's a story that Pastor Larry told me one time. And I've shared it before, but it fits now, so I'll share it again. There's a story of a man. He's sitting on his porch. He's rocking on his front porch. His hound dog is lying next to him. And the hound dog's just crying, just whimpering. Just long, drawn-out cries. Just crying. The man just keeps on rocking. Neighbor walks by and goes, How you doing, neighbor? He's like, Good friend, how you doing? He's like, I'm doing well. What's wrong with your dog? He said, Well, he's laying on a nail. The neighbor who's walking by says, Well, ain't you going to move him? He goes, No. When the pain gets bad enough, he'll move. Have you ever wondered why God allows us to go through difficult times, why God allows us to have pain. Sometimes it's to get us to move. Because sometimes we just won't move when things are just hunky-dory and just par for the course. And so He'll allow us to go through pain because it's time for a change. And He's like, good Lord, get up, get off the nail. Sometimes we won't move or change without that. But how's this for a question? Are you willing to be a pioneer and press on to the higher calling of the Lord when everything is running smooth and running great? Are you willing to press on, to move, to be a pioneer when everything is going great? That's what Abram did. He was blessed. Livestock, silver, Boom. He was blessed. But he trusted God. His eyes were set on the Lord and he trusted God. He trusted and he believed the promises of God. So he was willing to move even though everything was going great. Uh, Quite honestly, that's what pastors Matthew and Pamela are doing. They pastor a perfectly good, perfectly healthy, church here in Erie, Colorado. They have their own building. We're able to buy it this past year. And what are they what are they doing? They're leaving this perfectly healthy church and 
And a year from now, they're moving to Ireland to go minister to a perfectly unhealthy and broken native people. Why? For the sake of the king. Because they are pioneers. They are not settlers. Because God called them and said, I have work to be done and I need you there. And they said, Lord, we will go. Here I am. Send me. Are we willing to move and to leave the comforts we have when everything's just going great? Because He's worth it. Because God is worth it. Because we trust Him. Because we believe that His best is better than the luscious valleys that we can have in front of us. That His best is better than man's best. That what He has for us is better than our plan, our efforts, our experience, our training, our strengths. He's better. Do we trust the future He has for us? Well, Lord, this is what I planned for. Lord, this is what I went to school for. Lord, this is what I braced myself for and now you're throwing me a curveball, God. Do we trust Him? Do we trust Him enough to say, Lord, I count it all as not. Well, I count it all as rubbish. I press on to the higher calling and I say yes to you. You've invited me to serve you and I trust you. Where are we going, Lord? I'm ready. I'm a trailblazer. I'm up for it. Where are we going, God? Because as long as I'm with you, I'm good. God's best is best. God's best is better. Yeah, but my life's going pretty good right now. God's best is better. <laughs> yeah, but my life really stinks right now. Well, God's best is best. Trust Him. Verse 14. The very next verse. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Now, Lift up your eyes. It starts with that, doesn't it? It starts with setting our gaze on God. Lift up your eyes. It starts with setting our sights on Jesus. Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. Northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land you see, I will give it to you and to your descendants forever. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants can also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land, walk about the land through its length and breadth, for I will give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Now lift up your eyes. Settlers, see the natural. Pioneers, look to the Lord. And he gives them eyes to see the supernatural. Look up, look around. All you see, I will give to you. Friends, before God showed him this revelation, before God said, look east and north and west and south. Look around. Everywhere. It's all yours. Before he did that, Abram stepped out in faith and said, you got first pick. Take whatever you want. I dwell in the presence of the Lord. 
Yeah, that's a beautiful valley. Man, that's lush. It's beautiful. But I dwell in the presence of God, so wherever I go is beautiful. I've made my habitation with the Lord. I live with Him. You pick. You pick because God's best. He's going to wow me somehow. Can't wait to see how He does it. Did Abram pay a price in giving Lot first choice? Absolutely he did. He trusted God, but he gave Lot the best. Yes, there is a price to pay. When we step out in faith, oftentimes there is a price to pay. But luckily it's not our signature on that check. It's the name of Jesus Christ. Pioneers face more challenges. Let's not even add a comma. Pioneers face more challenges. Pioneers face more challenges. But pioneers experience greater heights. I don't have time to read Genesis 19. It'd be a long, long sermon. So read it later. Read Genesis 19. But I just, I want to throw out some consequences of being a settler. This is based on Genesis 19. Consequences of being a settler. Settlers always return and go back. And I want to say this. There will always be a bad leader that's willing to take you back. Always. There's always a bad leader that's willing to take you back to the past. Children of Israel, we want to go back. The leaks were awesome. And everything we complained about before, that's okay, let's go back. There's always going to be a crummy leader that in order to please the masses will take you back to your past. Settlers always go back. Pioneers always go forward. Verse 8 of Genesis 19 shows us that settlers always react in fear and flesh when faced with opposition. Pioneers always respond in faith to God. And just so I can make that clear, when I say always respond in faith, let's let that be our... Maybe that sometimes our first response is not one of faith. I mean, we're human. Maybe our first response is one of weakness and flesh. But then we set our eyes on the Lord and we go, oh yeah, I remember who I am now. More importantly, I remember who He is now. Okay, Lord, I trust you. I'm full of faith for what you have for me. Let's go forward. Settlers get ridiculed and are not taken seriously. Pioneers endure persecution, but afterward, they receive the promise. I'm just being honest, you guys. There is a price to pay. There's persecution that we will walk through as we bear the name of Jesus Christ, as we take on His name, allow Him to surname us. But friends, it pales in comparison to the promise. Settlers resist when God is speaking. (coughs) But pioneers yield to the voice of God. Settlers become restricted and bound by fear and uncertainty. Pioneers walk in freedom 
and faith. You know, when I hear that, I think about stuff. I think about stuff. When I think about freedom, I think about the ability to just pick up and go without the stuff. How often do we make it about the stuff? What about my stuff, Lord? It's shiny and it's pretty and it's new and it's modern and it's expensive and it's stuff. We got to trust the Lord for our lives, trust the Lord for our marriages, trust the Lord for our families. Yeah, but I'm trusting Him for a Bentley too. Well, that's come on. You weren't promised a Bentley. I was. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wouldn't. No, I'm not. I, it's none of us. Yeah, we're not. That's right. An Audi, 2001. We set our eyes on the Lord. That has to be a daily act. Settlers remember and they long for the past. Verse 26, and Lot's wife reflects this. But pioneers remember and possess the land. I'm going to say that again. Settlers remember and then long for the past. Pioneers remember and then possess the land. There's nothing wrong with remembering. Part of what we're doing tonight is remembering. Remembering the past year. God's been good. God has been faithful. It's our third anniversary. He's awesome. We remember. But we don't remember and then long for the past. We remember and we go and we possess the promise. We possess the things that God has for us in walking it out as pioneers. We have a history, but it's not our future. There's a price to pay, but the privilege is even greater. The privilege of serving Jesus and receiving his promises. Friends, are we willing to pay the price of our trust? Are we willing to trust him for the future? Are we willing to trust him that he loves us and that he's got good for us? His ways are better than our ways. His timing is better than our timing. Are we willing to pay the price of our trust and go, yes, I trust you and I trust your ways. Are you willing to pay the price of your past? Are you willing to let it go, man? Are you willing to let it go? Are you willing to say, I no longer need that apology. I no longer need that justification. I no longer need to be told I was right. All I need, Lord is to make sure that you are right and that you have your way in my life so I give you my past. You guys, let's not, let's not overcomplicate this. Just give him your past. We don't got to have eight weeks of ministry. We don't have to have eight weeks of ministry uh, past giving sessions. Okay, for the next eight weeks, we're going to talk about how to give the Lord your past. No, just, just give him your past. Just give him your past. Just say, I let it go. I give it to you. It's yours. I believe you and I trust you that you've got a future for me. Are you willing to pay the price of giving Him your life, of trusting in Him so that you can receive His best for your future? You're not the architect of your life. I, I commend you. You've, you've done well. 
you've given it a valiant effort and you've had some successes and you've had some failures. But friends, you really want to be the one that's responsible for your future? I don't. I don't. And I think I have more strengths than weaknesses. We all do, though. Let's be honest. We all think we have like 80% more strengths than weaknesses. We, we might. But is it going to be upon our own strength and efforts that we build our future? Or are we going to trust God and say, Lord, I trust you for my future? I trust you. Are you ready to receive his best? Golly gee. Are you ready to receive his best? If God's here to heal, that means that if you are here tonight and you're in need of letting go of your past, if you're in need of getting healed from yesterday's pain, then God is here to heal. Either he's the healer or he's not, folks, plain and simple. Either he's the healer or he's not. Either he's the savior or he's not. Either he's the deliverer or or he's not. And either you're going to let him have his way or you're not. Right? I mean, man, let's just simplify it. Either you're going to let him have his way and bring healing to your life or you're not. I say yes to the Lord. I say yes to him, to his plan. I say, I trust you, Lord. I say, I believe that your best is best. Are you ready to receive the healing that you need? The life that he has for you. And and none of this is hype. This is truth. This isn't hype. This is truth. He's the healer. And you can walk out of this place different than you walked in. If we can close our eyes for a second. I'm going to have several calls to respond here. And the first one to me is the most important. (coughs) And that's the call to place your trust in Jesus Christ. To declare your trust in Jesus Christ. In Romans 10, it says, if you believe and confess and call upon the Lord, you'll be saved. If you believe in your heart that He is God, that He's alive, and that the plan that He has for you is better, if you believe that, confess Him as Lord of your life, receive His adoption, His name, His healing, receive the work of Jesus Christ, then you will be saved. You will be sozo, is that Greek word. You will be healed saved, delivered. Is there anyone here that right now, even as I'm speaking, I couldn't keep you from declaring this. I couldn't stop you from saying, yes, I want to place my trust in Jesus. Because see, I only want you responding if you just chomping at the bit to do so. Because I don't want to talk you into anything. I don't want to persuade or manipulate anybody. But if you believe and you are ready to confess Him as your Lord and Savior, and to give your life to Him, and to receive His healing from your past, and to grab a hold of your future, I want you to raise your hand. All eyes are closed. I want you to raise your hand and lock eyes with me so that I will know that this day you have made a decision to trust, to give the price of your trust to God. Is there anybody? Just lock eyes with me and raise your hand so that you and I can can celebrate this moment. Is there anybody? My second call to respond to this invitation is 
to the invitation of receiving his best, of walking in his best. But to do so, you have to give him your past. Hey, you're saved. You've given your life to the Lord. You bear the name of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But there's still part of your past that you have not given to him. There's still hurts that you have not given to him. You've, you've held on to him and said, these are mine. I have a right to these. Is there anyone out there today that's saying, I surrender my rights to these hurts? And I trust you to heal me, Lord. I surrender my right to these offenses and I trust you. Just just raise your hand as a declaration that this day I'm surrendering my rights and I'm receiving your best. Amen. There's hands up all over the place. Lord, I'm giving you my past. I'm giving you my right to be right. Lord, I'm giving you the right. Lord, to, to ne- I never have to get that apology, Lord. Because you are enough and your best is enough. And I make that declaration today. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you see all the hands that are up, Lord God. You know, Lord, each person by name and by every detail. So, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, I just speak healing into the lives of these people, Lord, that that are, are raising their hands saying, Lord, yes, I give you my all and I receive your best, Lord. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we just take authority over the bondage of unforgiveness, of hurt, of shame, and we speak healing right now in Jesus' name. We speak healing. Be healed. Hurts be gone by the blood of the Lamb, by the work of the cross. Receive that healing now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for each person in this place tonight. Lord, and I thank you that you love us all. You know us all. You hear us all. So Lord, I just speak blessing over every individual, over every marriage, over every family. Lord, strengthen everyone in this place, Lord, towards you. Lord, as difficult uh, as this is for some to maybe come into agreement with, we say, Lord, we trust you in all. We trust you in the hurts and we trust you with the smooth sailing and we trust you with everything in between. And Lord, with our hearts set on you, Lord, if you're using pain to get us to move, to get us off that nail, then we say, Lord, let it be so and we'll we'll respond. We respond this day. God, we look to heaven. We set our eyes on you, not on ourselves, not on our own solutions or our own means. We set our eyes on you and we trust you. Jesus. Friends, just tell him that. I trust you. I trust you. I place my trust in you. I give my trust to you. I believe you and I trust you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Pioneers. Pioneers. Hey, I'm a homebody. I am. I love home. I'm a homebody. I love my bed. I love my pantry and my snacks. I'm a homebody. But friends, 
I have made my home in the presence of Almighty. I have made Him my abode. And I am a homebody. Being in His presence, I long for His presence. We are pioneers. We are called to constantly be saying, Yes, Lord. We'll respond to You. Yes, Lord. As we move forward into the next season that God has for us, friends, it has to be a life surrendered. And I promise you, it is a life triumphant. I promise you, it is a life fulfilled because His best is best. His best is best. Better than anything we could do for ourselves or imagine for ourselves. His best is best. So let's walk unified. Let's make our life a life of giving. Of our, of our tithes, of our offerings, of our lives, of our, of our time. Let's respond to the call that we are sent. And let's not leave it up to someone else, but let's go to where they are, the world, the lost, the hurting. Let's go on their terms, be willing to go on their terms to bring the, G, the good news of Jesus Christ to them. Let's not just wait for them to come here. Let's go to them where they're comfortable and bring the love of Jesus to them. Let's be sent. Let's be intimate. It's not about music. It's about worship. It's about worshiping the King. When we're up here before the service, it's ain't about music. It's about worship and being intimate before the Lord because He has healing and touch and and prophecy and words for us every week. He's still speaking. He's still moving. And let's be pioneers. I praise God that we we have a home. But let's not be so comfortable that we we lose the edge to go out there and bring Jesus to him. Amen.